When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome back. Before I get started, a quick reminder. I, I'm going to be harping on this for the next week or two, but I want to shift as much of my audience as possible away from YouTube to podcast format. From whatever podcast podcast platform you want to listen to, I'm not leaving YouTube. I'm here to stay on YouTube. This is where the bulk of my audience is. But going forward, I want to shift as much of this audience to the podcast platform for a variety of reasons so that one day I can say that bulk of my audience is in the podcast world, whether it's through, through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Pocket Cast, or Stitcher, or Spotify, or whatever you want to listen to. I'm on most major platforms with maybe a couple exceptions. So I'm asking that you join me over there. You know, uh, Right now I'm averaging 250 to 300 listens per episode. By the end of 2019, you guys have like 10 days. I want to push that up to 500 which sounds lofty. It's almost doubling my, my, my uh, listenership, if that's a thing. But, but I know how many I already have here on YouTube, usually upwards of 1,000 at least per video, over 20,000 subscribers. I, I'm kind of sick of YouTube. First of all, my, my content is basically just audio. And, and second of all, um, I, I'm sick of just living at the, the whim of YouTube and YouTube algorithm and, and whatever YouTube wants to do in terms of recommending or not recommending my content. Simply put, whether it's for subscribers or not for subscribers, if YouTube decides they want to cause my channel to uh, die a slow death, they can, right? Without actually censoring me, without removing my content, they can basically make sure that whether it's your, for whether you're a subscriber or a non-subscriber, that my stuff does not get recommended and that you only see it if you actually physically go to my channel and listen to it. And so for that reason... I'm pushing the podcast world. So thank you to those of you that have adopted the podcast format and moved away from YouTube. And I look forward uh, at the end of 2019 and, and into the new year, seeing as many of you as possible move to podcasts with me. Again, not leaving a YouTube, but I'm looking for a new page for the Silver Fortune podcast here. But anyways, moving into today's video. So this week has been sort of sideways for gold. A little bit to the upside for, for silver. Uh, I'll start by saying this. There's a couple of things I want to talk about. I'm going to start off with silver and gold here, right? Quick intro here. But but it's been a it's been a bit of a sideways week. Um, next week and and the following, I, I I would hesitate to say. You know, part of me wants to say that it's next week is make or break for silver and gold. Um, I think it's the next two weeks, and I also hesitate to even include the, the break piece in there because I'm so confident that it's going to move to the upside. I talked about this yesterday and, and this ascending triangle pattern that we're seeing right now in uh, the gold market, still continuing to find resistance around or just north of 1480, but continuing to find support at higher and higher levels. That's very bullish. And I'm expecting a breakout any day now. You know, it's closing the week just shy of, of 1480. Uh, uh, it's actually, I'll check right here, 1479, 1478, uh, and silver's actually crept up slowly, uh, 
around 1720, which is positive to see silver moving up uh, because it doesn't have a clear resistance level where gold is still sitting right below that. I see that as positive. The gold to silver ratio has moved down from, from uh, about 88 uh, not all that long ago to about 86 to 1. Still not the big move that we're looking for, obviously, but it's something to be positive about. And, and it's it's hard to find a whole lot to be negative about right now in the silver and gold markets. It's not like the technicals are breaking down. If anything, they're setting up for a big move to the upside. Even Zero Hedge recently shared in an article uh, about exactly what I was talking about yesterday in terms of seasonality for, for gold and silver. And that end of the year and early for the new year is is a huge uh, upside move generally over the last, I think, 69 years for, for silver and gold for for a variety of reasons. But the big one is is investor positioning. I think 2020 is going to be a big year for inflation, which is going to be a, a theme of, it's been a theme of a lot of my, my podcasts lately, but, but it's going to be a theme that comes up later on in this podcast. But, but inflation uh, is, I think, going to be a big concern despite what some consumers are expecting in 2020. Uh, more and more central bank intervention, uh, as well as a hedge against uh, other assets going down, including the stock market. 2019 was a huge year for the stock market, primarily, I think, because of, of increased liquidity uh, by the Fed, especially here in the last half of the year, but also because 2018 and, and the last quarter of 2018 was such a terrible time. And, and so it's recovered a lot of that. Um, but... And into 2020, you know, history shows that it tends to, you know, the year following a year like 2019 tends to be not as strong of a, a growth year uh, for the stock market. And so I think many investors are going to hedge into gold and silver, maybe bonds as well, maybe cash. But I think gold and silver have historically been a, a part of that, right? Um, and so there's a lot of reasons to be bullish for silver and gold heading into the new year. And... Uh, that's why I hesitate to say make or break upcoming over the next week or two uh, because I, I'm mostly seeing a skew to the upside, especially within some impeachment, which again will be a theme later on, as well as a topic that I almost can guarantee, and I don't want to guarantee, but, but I have a high suspicion that's going to come up over the next week or two, and that's North Korea. This has been slowly boiling, slowly brewing, this, this problem with, with North Korea, uh, slowly coming back to the surface, and, and they recently promised, despite the fact that it hasn't been reported a whole bunch by, by the U.S. media, that we can expect a gift, a Christmas gift this year. And it's not for good behavior. It's not because talks are going so well with them. They're, they're going pretty terribly right now. And expe it's expected that around Christmas time, maybe even Christmas Eve, or early you know, uh, the following week and into the new year, that we can expect a big move out of North Korea. It's Probably going to be an ICBM test, could be a nuke test, could be something else. It might just not happen at all, right? That's why I hesitate to say I guarantee it. But the the Trump administration is at least publicly not really budging. We we haven't moved closer to peace with North Korea or or working out some of these issues. And then this is sort of North Korea's self imposed deadline for working these things out. That's going to be, I think, a big move to the upside for silver and gold. And that's another news item that I want to take some time to talk about. So moving on from silver and gold again, make or break two weeks, uh, two weeks for make or break period for silver and gold. But, but it's more really just a make period. I'm just waiting for a big breakout for gold here. But moving on, uh, I, I also want to talk about this impeachment stuff, which on the topic of silver and gold has meant basically nothing. And that's kind of surprising and it's kind of not because let's be honest, um, an impeachment by the House doesn't mean a whole lot, right? Uh, I'm not saying I'm agreeing or disagreeing 
with the actions. You guys know I'm not super partisan, and, and maybe I'll just keep that to myself. But it, it doesn't matter. He's not leaving office. It's, it's more of a slap on the wrist, a public slap on the wrist, unless the Senate were to actually pass it, which they need 67 votes to do, and unless some bombshell piece of evidence comes out. That's unlikely to happen. This is probably going to be a charade that goes on for many months, and ultimately it's not going to go anywhere. He's going to stay in office through the 2020 election, and if Democrats want him out of office, they're going to have to vote him out at the ballot box and, and not in the Senate. Um, and unless there's this massive revolt, massive revolt, or or a piece of bombshell evidence that's going to sway a ton of these senators and and public opinion towards towards impeachment, which I see is fairly unlikely. Um, and, and yet, it's still not something that being is being worked into the market because, like I said, it, it doesn't matter any. It, it doesn't matter a whole lot in the sense that he won't be leaving office. Um, but it's also. Not a good sign, I think, for today's political environment. Uh, a sitting president was just impeached. Even if he's not leaving office, it still is representative of this high amount of, of uh, partisanship, of, of polarization here in the United States, an increasing amount as we head into the 2020 election. And I, I don't want to jump the gun and say that this is pushing us into a revolt, a full-blown revolution, or some sort of a civil war, but it's it's not exactly a positive for stock markets. I mean, you have to understand stocks are basically at an all-time high at the same time that a sitting president was just impeached, which is not a common event in, in U.S. history. Um, and so, I mean, it, I don't know what I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's hard to say that this is somehow a bullish thing for the stock market or for the economy. Um, and, and ultimately, a lot of this, I think, is just me wait and see and, and see who the Democrats put up against Trump in the 2020 election and, and see whether or not he, he beats them. Um, I, I, I maintain this. And I know some people get upset when I say this. And, and I'm not trying to be political in the sense that, that I'm an anti-Trumper or that, that my opinions on Trump, which are mixed. And, and many of you guys know that. They're, they're hardly super positive or extremely negative. Uh, but... My, my perspective for a while now, dating back to, to right after the 2016 election, is that the 2020 election is an election for the Democrats to lose. It's their election. Not because uh, they've enjoyed a ton of, of success since then or a ton of swing in popularity or anything like that. But I will remind you that, yes, I'm glad we, we live in an electoral college system. But Hillary did win the popular vote. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote in 2016. That's about as unpopular of a Democratic candidate as you can get. And she almost won. Right? She won the popular vote. And as we head into 2020, it's, it's almost a guarantee that we're going to find somebody more likable than her unless she somehow gets the nomination again and like a last-minute decision to run. right? It's probably going to be Biden or Sanders or Warren or or. Mayor Pete, I, I can't say his last name well, I forgot how to say it, or, or one of those, right? Some people suspect that maybe Michelle Obama is going to make a, a last-minute run and, and seize the nomination. But either way, any of them would be more popular than Hillary Clinton. But more important than that, because I, I'm sure the Democratic Party is losing some voters in certain some segments of its uh, 
stronghold demographics and whatnot. But the demographics picture continues to be skewed towards Democrats. Younger voters, which yes, there's young Trump supporters, but tend to be skewed more liberal. Uh, you also have uh, a, an increasing amount of, of immigration, right, which, which can turn many red states into purple or, or blue states if, if a large amount of, of, of immigrants come here. And that's not xenophobic. That's not anti-immigration. I'm just simply saying that immigrants from, from south of the border, Mexico, Central America, South America, or from the Middle East or whatever, they tend to be more likely to, to vote liberal. Heck, I live in Minnesota, and I believe that that's a big part of why Minnesota has trended more blue lately, because we have a high number of of immigrants. Again, not xenophobic. I'm not trying to be xenophobic. I'm just simply saying that immigrants, just like younger people, including those in my own cohort, my own generation, tend to be more liberal, Um, which, of course, I'm not. uh, So don't worry, guys. But, But I think demographics, that's a big part of why I think this is their election to lose, and they absolutely could depending on who they put up. If they put Biden up, I think they have a low chance of winning. I think it's, it then becomes Trump's election to lose. But I don't think he's going to get the nomination. I think it's much more likely to be Warren or Sanders maybe or, or Mayor Pete or, or somebody else. Probably not Biden, even though he's supposedly a front runner right now. Right? I think that's, that's not going to be the case. So again, heading into this 2020 election, um, if we were to see a a Democrat win, um, or or Trump hang on, either way, it's going to create, I think, a whole new level of of polarization. But if if Democrat does win, if it's Warren or if it's it's Sanders, that's extremely bearish for the stock market. I think it's extremely bearish for the U.S. economy. I think it's not to say that that we're not going to be in a recession under Trump. That somehow he's recession proof, but. As much as I may disagree with some of his economic policies, I even more so disagree with most of the less economic policies. They're, they're socialist in nature, right? So I just want to take some time to talk about that, um, that, that we, we continue to become more and more polarized. And I feel like every year uh, analysts say that this year, this coming year, is, is set to be even more hectic than the last. And, and 2020, I think, is going to be one for the books, as was 2016. Um, but but the trend here is is pretty clear: increasing partisanship, polarization, and an increasing trend towards towards I think civil unrest. Uh, with that being said, there's still some I think necessary ingredients to create a full blown um, not necessarily civil war. I hesitate to use that word, but full blown uh, societal breakdown, and that's probably going to be. Uh, an increase in inflation and a major drop in economic growth and, and a rise in unemployment, right? You add those to the mix and and we're going to be in for a crazy 2020 and a crazy 2021, regardless of who wins the election. Uh, moving on from, from uh, I guess, that part of politics, I also want to talk about the trade deal, which last Friday, was it last Friday? Yeah, last Friday. I uh, well, Today's the 20th, so it would have been the 13th. I, I put out a video that, was something along the lines of the U.S. trying to trade deal looks like a flop. <laughs> it's not really that big of a deal. And of course, Zero Hedge even posted today that the phase one trade deal is impossible. Uh, basically, what they're saying here is that what China is promising for 2020 in terms of, of increasing imports of, of agri- agricultural goods is, is exceeding any year going back to 2013 in terms of how much they're importing. 
right? Uh, imports fell in 2018 and 2019, largely because of this trade war. Um, but they're not promising a return to former levels. They're promising a huge increase in the importation of a lot of different agricultural goods. And it's just simply not possible, right? But but other than that, another thing that I continue to find interesting is that as much as everybody kind of talked about it being a, a done deal last week, uh, the phase one trade deal, as, as minor and, and insignificant as I think it is on a broader macro scale, and, and largely is relegated to the, infa- the impact that it has on, on consumers and on investors, uh, the trade deal hasn't been signed yet, actually. And, and there was some hope that, that Trump and uh, Xi, Xi Jinping would, would maybe be signing it in the upcoming uh, Davos uh, uh, meeting, which I, I believe is in, what, January? Um, but now it sounds like uh, it's actually not going to be sent. It's, he's actually going, actually. It's planning on sending his top trade negotiator, Vice Premier Louis Hay, not Louis, but it's it's a Chinese name, obviously. Uh, but not Xi Jinping, which which I think is a negative for for any hopes of this trade deal ultimately being worked out. So uh, another negative for this trade deal, and I think I'll ultimately, I still wouldn't be surprised if Phase One actually doesn't go through, and if Trump or China escalate things in the interim. But anyways, this is my weekly wrap-up video. I, I hope you enjoyed these topics today. Nothing crazy interesting, right? Um, but but I, I will remind you that I, I I hope my analysis for precious metals is valuable. What I'm talking here about, about um, the trade deal or impeachment or North Korea, this is a good update for all of you. Uh, but I am producing seven, roughly seven podcasts a week. All right, so if you want to get the full... Uh, Seven course meal of silver fortune every day of the week. Uh, listen to my other podcast, and you'll find a, a whole ton of other uh, content over there. A whole ton of of updating and education and whatnot. So check me out over on those um, episodes if you, if you want to learn more. There's plenty more coming up this weekend, and I'd prefer that you do it on a podcast platform versus YouTube. I know I'm just going to continue nagging you about this, right? But I'm serious about this, and I hope to see you in the podcast world. I'm happy to have you guys here in po- in, in YouTube, but. I want to move as many of you guys as possible into the podcast world, not only for myself, but for all the other great podcasters and other creators out there in the podcast world. But anyways, that's probably enough for today. So as always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's podcast, and God bless.